So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. America is essentially a dream. Nailed it. <laughs> it is a dream of a land where men of all races. We're going to listen to this, you guys. Of all nationalities. Well, I share this out.
actually see the top of my head. <laughs> So that's Michael W. Smith's song from many, many, many years ago called Breakdown. And of course, the reason that we played that is because Martin Luther King, you heard throughout the whole song. And actually, if you were actually paying attention to the lyrics of the song, what he was talking about was the breakdown, of you, as you know, of the family and the society and all of that and uh so i have to commend bareface for thinking of the song at the last minute to play i think it's really really super good actually personally just so you know so bareface and then as he says in the song if we say we believe then who will believe us you know that the walk ought to match the talk yes you know if um you know if, if all men are indeed created equal you know by you know by the creator Doubt with certain alien rights. I know our constitution says that, but uh, the idea comes from Genesis that tells us that uh, mankind is created in his image. And so if that's something we believe we ought to behave accordingly. And certainly there was an inconsistency uh, yes. in the 1960s, uh, early mid-60s, and there still is, but... Oh, there, yeah, there is. People who would name the name of of Christ and not treat people equally. Yeah. Well, that's why the church is the church, because the church needs to be standing up and pushing back evil, like I actually shared this morning um, out of Proverbs um, 21. If you guys didn't listen to my get slugged thing this morning, it was really kind of different. The Lord kind of brought me to different passage, so I'm not even going to recap all that, but you can go watch or listen to the replay of that afterwards. It's only about 15 minutes, give or take. But we, um, like like a lot of Americans today, are taking, well, we're not taking the day off, but a lot of Americans are actually taking the day off because it is a national holiday uh, honoring uh, uh, Martin Luther King and, um, you know, what he went through, what he did for America. And, uh, you know, I, part of me is kind of irritated because I am, <clears throat> I, I'm not irritated, but I'm, well, I am, I'm actually irritated about it. I get irritated about a lot of stuff, people, but I get irritated about the racism in this country. It irritates me, um, on so many levels, um, for many reasons. I can tell you when I moved here to Tennessee, one of the very first things that I encountered was bigoted, hateful, racist remarks against black people. And I can tell you honestly, if I wasn't the person I am, some of these people, which were men in cowboy hats, I would have hit in the face. I would have, I would have just smacked them upside the head. If they said something like they said to me when I'm here in California, just saying. Somebody would have got their, you know, beat up. But violence isn't the answer. And actually, Martin Luther King taught us that, right? I mean, he he marched civilly, and unfortunately, he was murdered. And, um, and what I was going to say is that, you know, I was born in 1968. Um, 
So, you know, I was born right at the end of, you know, all of, all of this stuff that took place. And, you know, part of me is glad that I was born after it, but honestly, I think it's still just as bad today. I mean, it's not like it was, but, you know, in certain sectors, it's definitely, um, definitely you know, still pretty bad, especially worldwide, not just in America, but worldwide. So here's the thing. Uh, in doing research for the show, I wanted to uh, share with you the, the news, right? So we actually have um, the lead story, which is over on theguardian.com. Uh, MLK's son criticizes Vice President Pence for using father's memory to push for border wall. Um, and we're, I'm going to read just through the article here. It says here about those 8,000 plus faults and misleading statements from Donald Trump during his presidency. It makes for grueling work for fact checkers. Okay. This was posted five minutes ago, by the way. The Guardian's Adam Gabbett reports, since taking office, the president has lied about everything from immigration figures to the number of burgers he served to the Clemson football team at the White House last week. It takes up a lot of our time just because he's constantly talking, said Glenn Kessler, editor-in-chief of the Washington Post fact-checker column. By the way, some people, Janet Parshall in particular, <laughs> refers to the Washington Post as the Washington Compost. Just saying, okay? Very left-leaning. Um, anyway, it says here, the pace in Washington has changed. You could wake up and the president may have already five or six tweets that cry out for fact-checks. Kessler in the Washington Post uh, responded by creating an ongoing database tracking Trump's lies, but that comes with his own problems. It's become an all-consuming task. In the month of October, he said 1,200 things that were false or misleading. There's some days where he stopped more than he's topped more than 100 false or misleading claims. Anyway, the Washington Post has tallied Donald Trump's untruths and finds that the president made at least. 8,158 false or misleading statements in the two years since he took office. That includes 6,000 such statements in his second year alone, according to the paper's facts checker. That adds up to nearly 5.9 false or misleading claims a day in year one, which went up to 6.5 a year <laughs> in year two. Now, Politics as usual. Now, to be fair, <clears throat> I recently heard somewhere that the average person, whether you're a Christian or not, lies at least six to ten times a day. Okay, uh -huh. that's what I heard. You know, because if you if and and a lie was based on the idea that like, hey, bareface, how are you doing today? And you're like feeling crappy, but you go fine. You I know, because you. That. I, well, okay, let's just say that's just an example. Okay, all so right, all so, right. but that's just based on on what I heard. Okay. If we did this with Obama when he was in office, just saying, it probably, and if Hillary every, Clinton, every president, yeah, every, okay. so anyway, anybody just... in the vicinity of Washington, D.C. that <laughs> occupies a, a marble-like building, <laughs> okay. I think. Anyway, so King's son, Martin Luther King III, criticized the vice president for invoking his father's memory and making the push for a wall along the U.S.-Mexico border. The hearts and minds of the American people today are thinking a lot about it being the weekend we remember the life and work of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Pence said Sunday on CBS's Face the Nation. <clears throat> One of my favorite quotes from Dr. King was, 
Now is the time to make a real the promises of democracy. You think of how he changed America, he said. He inspired us to change through the legislative process to become a more perfect union. That's exactly what President Trump is calling on the Congress to do. Come to the table in a spirit of good faith. We'll secure our border. We'll reopen our government. King's son rejected the comparison while speaking at a National Action Network MLK Day breakfast, CNN reported. So again, it's left media. Martin Luther King Jr. was a bridge builder, not a wall builder, he said. Martin Luther King Jr. would say, love, not hate, would make America great. Did you all hear that? Love, not hate, would make America great? Okay, so there's that there. Um, and then we're going to scroll down here, and then I want to look at the... Um, the two hours ago around the world it says white house press secretary sarah sanders who by the way is the daughter of mike huckabee has drawn some backlash for a tweet saying that martin luther king gave his life to the right the wrong no he martin luther king jr gave his life to right the wrong of racial inequality and this is what she wrote today we honor a great american who gave his life to right the wrong of racial inequality. Our country is better thanks to his inspiration and sacrifice. And then Corey Provost responded and said, apparently MLK volunteered to be murdered. That was his response in response to what Sarah wrote, which, you know, just saying. And then Geek Girl Diva said, today we honor a man who was killed for speaking truth to power and encouraging others to believe in a better and more equal world. Fixed it for you in response to Sarah Sanders. So, you know, I think most people would have looked at what she tweeted, what she twote, and nailed that one too, (laughs) and and would would understand, you know, they would kind of, kind of get what they were saying, but anyway, what do you think, Randall? Well, he was murdered, he was assassinated, and he did give his (laughs) life, um, he you know, when he was living, I mean, he, he dedicated himself to right the wrong of racial inequality. So, yes, he, he gave his waking moments. He gave his time in jail uh, writing letters. Uh, he he committed himself. He gave his life so much to the point that uh, his life was taken from him by an assassin. So... Yeah. Yeah, the, I wouldn't take it as that he he was murdered to right the wrong of racial inequality. That was just it was just that's another evidence of racial inequality. The fact right. that he was assassinated, but yeah, I took it as he he was so dedicated it even cost him his life, and he was willing to go that far. He knew that he was getting in in you know dangerous waters, so to speak, and so. Yes, I don't think it dishonors the man at all by saying he gave his life to right the wrong of racial inequality. Um, yeah. I don't know. Well, I would, okay, to be fair, I would say I understand why these people are criticizing how she wrote it. Yeah. Jesus gave his life. Jesus willingly laid down his life for us. Martin Luther King didn't do that. He was assassinated. True. There's a huge difference. Yeah, there so is. A... I kind of I get where they're coming from. Um, she could have, you know, chose her words differently, I suppose. But I think most yeah. people understand the sentiment, which, 
you know, I mean, most people get what she was trying to say. I don't like the whole speaking truth to power thing that carries some baggage with it. You know, if I were to rewrite it, I would say maybe today we honor a great American who, um, who lost his life, um, in, in his, you know, efforts or in the cause to right the wrong or racial equality. Yeah. Um, who who paid the ultimate price? Maybe that's it. They want a great man who paid the ultimate price for the cause of writing racial, writing the wrong of racial inequality, something yeah. like that. What do you guys think? Who are listening? Put a one if you think what Sarah Sanders wrote was understandable, and put a two if you're like, eh, she could have probably written it a little bit different and avoided criticism. Put a three if you think she would have gotten criticism either way. So, one, if you liked what she wrote. Two, if she could have written it better. A three, if she would have got criticism, criticism, you know, any other way. Now, the question is, will I be able to remember that by the time I see your numbers? (laughs) It's funny. I was just talking to my girlfriend, Marguerite, right before the show. And we're both in our early 50s. And she's like, yeah, I'm forgetting people's names, too. And I'm like, yeah, me, too. It's so weird. But anyway... So, Over here in the shadows, yeah, it was okay. one, fine, two needs correction, three, doesn't okay. matter, she's going to get All right, so Mama it. Gina says two, Danielle says three, um, Artful says, surely as a press t- secretary, she should know how to write something more succinctly and accurately. I would agree with that. Right. Mama Gina said three. Um, yeah, my guess is she actually doesn't write the stuff that she comes out and says, though. Somebody else probably does. Just to be fair, you know. Yeah, often, true, often the press secretary is just a a, a, a face. A pretty face. Talking, yeah, and, and there's other people behind Ar- the scenes Okay, and that. Artful says two. Alex said six. Really? What's six? I didn't ask for a six. There's always some smart aleck in the Well, audience. six, yeah. She understood what she wrote. I didn't say two. Six. I know one. He's saying I'll add them all up. One, yeah, I understand what ah. she wrote. Two, ah. it could have been improved. Add and three, and okay. th- and three, she would have got flack either ah, way. Okay, so you're not a smart aleck. I'm just not super smart like you are to figure that out. It took another man to figure out the man. Yeah, I was going to say five, but gotcha. I'm leaning towards six now because I understood what she meant. Definitely could have been approved, and yeah, she would have got flack either way. Isn't it fun to be armchair opinion people? Yeah. We we could make the news. Six equals three plus three. Yes, I, I know that. But three times two is six also. So, anyway. <laughs> All right, so let's look at some of the other news. Uh, and, uh, and, and honestly, let's thank God for the life of the King family. I actually have had the privilege of meeting Dr. Alveda King. Uh, I knew, you know, I, I actually was at an event where she spoke at and, um, and all that. And I know that she's out on the front lines today, um, talking about the pro-life issue. That's her big, um, project that she advocates on behalf. I've actually had her book twice for the show. Uh, and all that. Hey, Kelly and Paul, I do see you. And thank you for those very sweet, lovable comments you put there in the chat room. I really appreciate it. Did you see what he wrote? Um, no, I did not. Paul Paul has been gone because he's been in recovery. But he actually said, you all do an awesome job. A great team. Thank you. Oh. Aw. That's so sweet. 
You guys are so sweet. I have to say something. I really do. Now, I've talked to a lot of you who are on my text message list. If you're not on my text message list, you can join it. But you know what, you guys? You guys make me feel so loved and valued, you know? Um, it, there's nothing more in many ways humbling than to know that people who tune into you, because they could tune into a million other people, because there's literally that many out there doing something. Um, but it's really humbling that you think so highly of Randall and I, that Randall and me, that you take your time, you spend your time with us every day, or at least most days, you know, uh, and you trust what we do. And, you know, that's one of the things that I really appreciate. And I, I don't take lightly. I take what we do here extremely seriously. Um, I try to report what I know. Um, I'm cool, huh? Yeah, I am. <laughs> Pshaw, stop it. Stop with the compliments. <laughs> Actually, I was talking to somebody. They were saying that I am so funny and that I lift their spirits and that I talk about serious issues, but I have fun doing it. And I'm like, yeah. And that actually irritates some people, but actually, in all seriousness, I really do appreciate you guys uh, doing that. I mean, you know, hey, the host needs to be lifted up once in a while. So I really appreciate that. Thank you for the compliment. I appreciate it. Well, since we brought up uh, Martin Luther King III, okay. you know, the son of Martin Luther King Jr., um, I wanted to address this article on the Hill okay. about the uh, Trump card. Do I know about this card? I don't know. Okay, yeah, no, I don't know this story, but go for it, co-host. You want me to go for it? Yeah, I don't know about it, so you do it, co-host. All right, I'll, um... AFBS, or whatever it is you have at the end of your name. Yeah, <laughs> B-S-C-I-S. Anyway, all right, let me get myself kind of in the camera here. You agree with what statement about me? What, that I'm cool? Ah, well, thank you. Actually, I'm really hot right now, but... You know what I'm noticing about my hair? How dark it is, like, right here, and it's, like, totally getting all white on the sides. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. So, over on thehill.com, uh, there's this article that Civil Rights Group And now marks, here's Randall, people. <laughs> Civil Rights Group marks MLK Day with a call for Trump <laughs> uh, card national ID. A uh, prominent civil rights group is marking Martin Luther King Jr. Day by uh, pressing President Trump... Um, to honor his promise to create a national photo ID card for citizens. Uh, MLK3, the oldest son of the iconic civil rights leader and co-chairman of the Drum Major Institute, met with Trump two years ago uh, on MLK Day. During that meeting, the then-president-elect endorsed the idea of a national photo ID. This year, the group is calling on Trump to follow through. Uh, William Wachtel co-founder of the Drum Major Institute, said the group sees the issue as critical to ensuring King's work to remove barriers to voting. And I can... That makes sense to me. Uh, William Wachtel is quoted as saying, We want to make sure that no voter is left behind because of the inability to get a photo ID. Yeah, I would... That makes sense, but why would you be unable to get a photo ID in your own hometown? Anyway, I should delay the commentary until i read the article <laughs> anyway most people spend their time fighting over who's to keep people from not voting as opposed to finding solutions to make it possible for everyone to vote that's why dr king fought so hard for 
excuse me the so the voting the voting right act yeah, as of 2018 17 states require a photo id from their citizens to vote which is great so you're not one of these people that shows up to vote and told you're already voted that's happened to someone we know yep uh the group is asking in another state not here in tennessee uh photo id is required here in tennessee uh, the group is asking Trump to issue an executive order instructing the Social Security Administration to create a Social Security card with a photo, a so-called Trump card. Supporters say such an ID would increase civic participation, prevent fraud, and help the disadvantaged find resources. Uh, the ID has invited controversy in the past, in particular over privacy concerns, and uh, Rand Paul had issue with it um he introduced a measure uh the protect our privacy act uh attached to a senate immigration bill uh the paul amendment sought to prevent the creation of a national id card citing worries that would make it easier for the government to track people anyway i'm not going to read the rest but um yeah it brings up a, a good discussion it should anyway about you know i see definitely the importance of presenting an id to vote i think that should be case and it shouldn't only i don't think the question is people being prevented from voting i think the thing is preventing voter fraud you know from you know identity theft basically stealing someone's identity and voting in their name and voting is is you know that person wouldn't and, you know, there's not been any voter fraud, right? You know, <laughs> mm. plenty of voter fraud. And, yeah, I think ID does stop that. But I'm not so sure that a national ID is is the way to, is a solution for that. Well, I mean, it, there, it ought to be possible to get a photo ID in your home state. Ah, uh, yes. But here's the deal. As we know, the Antichrist is going to come to power at some point. Sure. And he's going to be very charismatic and super good looking. And here's the thing. This whole issue of security that we're all yapping about all the time, you know, it's peace going to, and safety. It's going to because it's going to be it's will be because all of that. So Danielle says there's no problem with people voting. You have to have an ID for everything. The problem is illegal. You know what? I actually agree with you. Um but you know what? In California, I don't know if you're in California, but in California, you don't need to show your license when you when you vote, which is completely insane. In Tennessee, when I first voted here the very first time, I was like, what? You want my license? I was shocked. I was like, you actually want to look at my license <laughs> in California? They, they don't have that, which is stupid in my opinion. But anyway. All right. So, uh... Gosh, I can't believe we're also at the bottom of the hour. Okay, we got like five other stories. You're in Illinois. Okay, so you're in... Okay, gotcha. Okay. So, Randall, of all the stories I sent you, what one do you think was is really like the best one? Well, I think more fitting to the type of stuff we usually... Well, it's all the stuff we usually cover. Yeah, it is. How about, how about Americans willingly plug themselves into the Matrix for six hours a day? Okay, so this, this article is over on Prophecy News Watch. And I'm going to read this to you because this is, this is very interesting. It's actually titled What Bareface Said. Americans willingly plug themselves into the Matrix for six hours a day. 
Listen to this. Can you imagine a society where there are no phones, no televisions, and no computers at all? America was once such a place, but now everything has changed. Today, most Americans willingly pl plug themselves into, quote, the matrix, unquote, for multiple hours each day. We are increasingly living our lives through our screens, but in the process, the amount of real human interaction that we have with one another just continues to go down. We are absolutely addicted to our phones, our televisions, and our computers, and many of us actually become extremely physically uncomfortable if we are forced to unplug for even a few hours. That would not be me, because you know what? I go play pickleball, and I have a lot of fun with my in-life IRL people. <laughs> I played pickleball this morning for a couple hours. I was like, phone, phone. I kept getting buzzed on my Fitbit. Oh, somebody sent me a text or whatever. Anyway. But even though we already know all of this, the numbers from a brand new survey that was just released are still hard to believe. According to a survey of 2,000 people, the average adult in the United States spends about 6 hours and 43 minutes a day staring at a screen. Perhaps it's no surprise then that Americans spend nearly half of their waking hours looking at screens according to a survey of 2,000 adults. More specifically, the survey found that 42% of the time Americans are awake, their eyes are fixated on a television, smartphone, computer, tablet, or other device. Supposing the average American slept eight hours a night, not even close to the case for most adults. I mean, true for me, I sleep between five and a half and six and a half hours, depending on the day. Uh, the researchers calculated that people spend about six hours and 43 minutes a day staring at a screen over a typical lifespan that's 7,956 days. It has been said that we are what we eat, and the same principle is true when it comes to our mind. Six media or six giant media corporations control more than 90% of the news and entertainment that we get through our televisions and control of the internet is rapidly being consolidated by huge companies as well. If we want to fight back, we have to reach Americans where they are and where they usually are is in front of some sort of screen, which is why Bible News Radio is here. <laughs> and according to that same survey, this is a trend that appears to be accelerating over time. And the problem is only getting worse. Of those surveyed, 79% said their screen time has increased over the past five years, with 4 in 10 admitting it's grown a lot. 3 in 4 part participants believe they simply spend too much time in front of screens. In fact, 53% take breaks from the computer by checking their phone. Another 27% admits to watching TV and looking at their phone at the same time. Only 27%? I mean, geez, Louise. I have my phone with me everywhere. I still remember the days when cell phones were huge, clunky things that could only be used for making phone calls. But now our tiny little phones do just about everything for us. And a different survey discovered that the average American currently spends 86 hours a month using a smartphone. I totally use mine way longer than that. According to ComScore's 2017 cross-platform future and focus report, the average American adult, 18 years old or older, spends two hours, 51 minutes on their smartphones every day. <laughs> That's it? Two hours? Three hours? That's about 86 hours a month! There's an exclamation point. That's why I yelled. Okay, just so you know. This might be a record, but growth has certainly flattened out over the last year and a half. Every survey on cell phone use finds that young people use their phones far more than older generations do, but is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? 
So much time in the virtual world is going to mean less time getting things done in the real world, yes. and the consequences of neglecting the real world can be quite dramatic. For example, other brand, another brand new survey discovered that almost one-third of all millennials are still living with their parents. That I have to make a comment about. I moved out of my mom's house when I was 18 years old, and I never moved back, right? When... I have friends that have children in their 20s and mid-20s, and I'm like, why are you living with your mom and dad? Especially if you're a boy, man. You need to be out on your own, supporting yourself. But I'm going to college. Mommy and daddy are putting me through school. Really? You're over 18. Get out on your own. I mean, build a bridge, get over it, go get a job or two or three, and put yourself through college and get a loan like I did. And you're young. You're not, it's not like you're a hundred. You're just a, you know, you got the, anyway. So anyway, it says here, nearly a third of millennials live with their parents, but those who live alone or with roommates are happier about their housing circumstances. Well, I would think so. More financially independent and have more savings, according to a new, new survey. Interesting. Some 31% of people born from 1981 to 1997 live at home with their parents, according to U.S. Census data. Some millennials are getting pretty close to 40 years old, and it's quite late to, quote, start a life at that point. Mm. Phones, televisions, and computers are useful tools, and they can make our lives easier in thousands of different ways. But once they start taking over our lives, they become a major problem. One of the keys to a successful life is balance. Actually, that's not true either. Uh, and so we do not want to allow ourselves to become heavily addicted to anything. That whole balance comment is so not true. That's like such a lie. And I only bring that up because I've been doing a lot of reading. Because, see, I don't watch TV. I actually read. I have, like, 15 books I already bought to read this year. But I read a lot. I'm a, I'm a ferocious or ferocious reader. I'm just kidding. I'm an avid reader. Um, I love books. But, no, balance is a myth. Like, hey, let's balance our life. Well, if that was true, why do we got to spend, quote, eight hours of our 24-hour day, like, sleeping, if life was really all about balance? It's really not. It's about, life is really about time management and managing your time well. Because if you value your time and you manage your time well, then your life will be managed well. It's not about balance, because nobody can balance. That's t a complete myth, but whatever. Anyway, it says here... Sadly, the truth is that our national addiction to digital devices is not going away anytime soon. Kids are getting hooked on them at earlier and early ages, and now even our schools are heavily embracing digital learning, which is true. I worked in an elementary school, and children had their little phones. I just, yeah, anyway. It says here, the following comes from an ABC News article entitled, titled, Why U.S. Classrooms Are Starting to Resemble Arcades. It's 1 o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon at Wallingford, Connecticut, in Wallingford, Connecticut, and about 20 children are watching a screen at the front of the room as they take turns navigating challenges and collecting virtual currency to unlock powers, outfits, and pets for their characters. The game they're playing has some similarities to the online battle game Fortnite, but the kids aren't fighting one another. They're racking up points for participation and good behavior in their classroom at DAG, Hammers Gold Middle School, where their teacher is presenting a home economics lesson with help from Classcraft, a fancy-themed educational program. 
It's so easy to get sucked into the digital world, especially when the real world becomes difficult to deal with. But if we spend all our time in the digital world, our lives in the real world will deeply suffer and we will never be the people that we are meant to become. So there you have it. You agree or disagree, Bareface? Well, it's, it's definitely a mixed bag. We're, you know, the Industrial Revolution is gone. We're in the Information Age. Mm -hmm. And a large part of the workforce in the West, especially the United States, is our information workers. Um, yeah. They work at desk and they have computers. Yeah. And so, you know, typical... You know, eight-hour workday, which these days is is nine hours, you know, away from it's an hour for lunch, and it's actually eight hours at the desk. It used to be eight hours was just the time, you know, total on the job, including lunch. You know, the nine to five. You know, working nine to five. What a make working but, nine to five. But, what a way to make a living. La 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 la. Dolly but the typical work day now anyway. is eight to five for like information workers. That was and, it. Yeah. Maybe sometimes seven thirty to five or you know, or whatever, or eight thirty to five. But it's like a half hour lunch. Anyway. So information workers are a large part of the society. So that's that's all that time mm -hmm. I mean about eight hours there spent on a device and then and then then you know getting around it after that you know you may have like fishdom or something on your phone or <laughs> candy crush saga or whatever you know that you do in your downtime you relax and so okay well then there's another 30 minutes hour anyway it doesn't take long to forget this six and hours and 43 minutes you know, ten well, hours a day is really easy to do. Yeah. When screen time. Well, here's the thing. Here's the truth. The new Apple phones, they actually have a time thing in here. It tells you how much screen time that you actually do. I'm trying to see if I can find mine that it gives me every day. But mine was like, and it tells me every week. It's like, well, you spent 15 hours on the phone today. You know, doing your screen time. Oh, you guys want to see my phone? The just curious what's who's on there. That's my friend Cheryl and her husband. They're super cool people. But, well, anyway, it doesn't matter. That, um, anyway. So, Apple, iPhone, basically, they installed this timekeeper thingy on there. So, you can see how much time that you spend on your phone. Um, but then you can actually shut off certain apps. And you can put, like, timers on certain things, like, if you want to. Like, for me... Bareface brought up fishdom. Yeah, okay, just saying. I like the game. It's great. I'm on like level 350 or something. I forgot. But but if I if that got really out of hand for me, I would like put a time block like one hour a day. You know, <laughs> I feel like that's it or a half hour, whatever. Um, so that's it. Okay, so I do want to say before we get to our other story, there is actually 150 Ohio pastors who have signed uh, the Year of the Bible Proclamation, Bible Literacy is Plaguing Our Politically Correct Society. I'm going to read that article, but I want to go ahead and thank our sponsor, Ariel Ministries, and also give you guys the opportunity uh, to know how you can support Bible News Radio. So Ariel.org is uh, the place to go to save 20% when you use the coupon code Bible News. Uh, they've been our sponsor for like two years now. 
And uh, so you can still go there. You can still use the coupon code. You can still save 20% uh, on anything on their website. They have digital products as low as $3. And they also have like, you know, CDs and things like that, you know, which costs a lot more. Uh, I recommend anything in their store. If you want to grow in your walk with God and get some serious, theologically, biblically sound stuff that's not this fluffy, guffy stuff like from other people I can list, this is the place to go, okay? Just just do it. On our website, BibleNewsRadio.com, we have a resources page. We have highlighted some of the greatest stuff from there as well as some stuff that we actually offer through our website here. Um, you guys can go check that out. There's lots of different things. There's Life of the Messiah from a Messianic Jewish perspective, the abridged version, and there's also the full set version you can get. I know some of you actually have done that. I really think that's cool. There's the Come and See series, which are shorter Bible studies that Dr. Arnold Fruchtenbaum has done. And then we also have other books like the Gospel of the Holocaust um, and the book by Doug, Doug Camp on Israel. Um, what's that called? The Biblical Guide for Understanding Israel. So we got that It's as well. It's by Doug Hershey. Doug Hershey. That's what I meant. Yeah. Anyway, I knew it was Doug somebody. <laughs> Too Doug, many Dougs. Doug Camp was somebody else I know who wrote another book called, uh, what was his book called? Something about the image. Corrupting the image. Corrupting the image. Yeah, I don't, I don't have that book. But there's that. If you guys want to become pillars of the community and not a pillar of salt. <laughs> Sorry, that was a bad joke. Uh, you can go to BibleNewsRadio.com forward slash give. And thank you to all you guys who do. You know, I really appreciate it. It means a lot to us. And it actually helps us out more than you actually know. You can go there. You can give a monthly donation through PayPal or your credit card. Or if you want, you can send a check. Either way is fine. Um, we are not a nonprofit. We, so you won't get a tax break, but you know, so that means your gift means all the more because you're not in it for the tax break, which, you know, some people are. The other thing is, um, if you want to join Legal Shield and become a member of Legal Shield or ID Shield, which I highly encourage, you know, I have been talking to a lot of people about stuff and, um, I'm going to start doing a Zoom call at least once a once a week. Uh, on what Legal Shield and ID Shield is, just to go through a presentation uh, so that you can actually see, because I'm not going to cover it all here on the show. But it's the best service around. It's the value for it is unbelievable. Um, and so you can go over to bit.ly forward slash LOJ2019. That stands for Ladies of Justice, which I happen to be, by the way. Uh, and you can learn more there by watching some of the videos or just putting in, just go ahead, go there send me an email, say, Hey, I'm interested in learning about this. Let's just do a one-on-one or I'll invite you to a zoom call and I'll show you the presentation so you can get involved and you understand what it is that uh, you're getting. I actually talked to one of you today who signed up and, um, and everybody needs to, if you don't have a will, you need this true story. You need it. If you've ever had a problem with a contract or had bad customer service or, you know, had gotten a, a ticket, you need legal shield. Right. I mean, there are hundreds, if not thousands of reasons you need legal shield. And for twenty four ninety five a month, it's the best value out there. You get your will done, which usually those cost between a thousand and a couple thousand a month, depending on who you ask and how many people are covered in your will. But um, this basically gives you legal access right there in the palm of your hand. We have a legal shield app. Just download it on your phone. You tap that app, get help. 
It's that simple. It's way more than that, but it's really that simple. Then the other product is Identity Theft Protection ID Shield. We are the number one ID Shield protection in the world. We also offer comprehensive restoration, which LifeLock doesn't do, by the way, in case something happens with your ID. And we monitor a whole bunch of different things. Plus, we have ID Shield Vault, which is a password manager that we include in the very low investment of $9.95 a month. I mean, under $10, you get all that protection. I actually was talking to somebody today. Actually, she might even be on here. She was telling me that one of her friends tried to get Social Security and found out that somebody else had already been drawing on it. I actually heard that at one of my presentations on the weekend. You guys just don't know. And if you're older and you haven't drawn your Social Security yet, you have no idea if somebody already has. <laughs> just saying. So, but so we monitor all of that and it I mean seriously for 10 bucks under like just under 10 bucks a month you can't pay me to monitor all that stuff for 10 bucks a month but we do it because we have um we have a great relationship with Kroll which is the number one place in security that takes care of all this stuff so um I've said it before I'll say it again and you'll hear it every time I'm on my show if you're not signed up as a legal shield member you know, you really need to be because you're you're really doing yourself a disservice if you're not protecting yourself and member perks will pay for your membership on top of it so i mean at the high end your investment's going to be 50 bucks to cover a whole family at the low end it's going to be 35 bucks to cover you and your family if you don't have children or you're not married okay so i mean everybody has that in their budget uh, even Randall and I on our income, we have it in our budget. If we do, you do. And it's already paid for itself like multiple times over. Okay. So there you go. Okay. So Ohio, we love Ohio. I have a lot of listeners in Ohio, Ohio. There are 150 Ohio pastors who have signed the year of the Bible proclamation because Bible liter illiteracy is plaguing our politically correct society, which is so true. It's ridiculous. That's a photo of a PWT there. Yep. A proclamation signed by 150 Ohio pastors dubbing 2019 the Year of the Bible was issued on Tuesday during a press conference in which several of the signers spoke about the wonders of the Word of God, its role in American history, its confirmation in science and archaeology, and the need for all men, including professing Christians, to turn to the scriptures and find truth. Randy Rains of Mansfield Fellowship Baptist Church, Jerry Laudermilk of Ontario Abundant Life Tabernacle, Mark Cobb of Providence Baptist Church and Steve Brenman of Awakening Christian Center in Mount Gilead presented the proclamation at the Bible Walk Museum in Mansfield. Also present were Mansfield Mayor Tim Feeker, Shelby Mayor Steve Shag, and Mansfield City Council Member Cliff Mears. How dare all these people in government be there? Just saying. Anyway, the document expresses concern over the biblical illiteracy of modern times, including in nominal churches where the authority of the Bible is too often undermined. We formally reaffirm the Bible as being living, active, and God-breathed, and demonstrating through history to be the anvil that has worn many hammers out, the proclamation reads. Consequently, since Bible illiteracy is plaguing our politically correct society, since the Bible is being censured by governments and cultural institutions, and since the authority of both the Old and New Testament scriptures of the Bible are being subverted by some religious circles, it laments, we do proclaim 2019 as the year of the Bible. 
we've got to get back to the values and standards and morals that are in the Bible, Brenneman declared, according to the Mansfield News Journal. People are searching for something, but they don't know what. The Bible is the answer. Amen. Okay. The men also spoke of the Bible's role in early America and its promotion by civil leaders throughout the nation's history, as well as the archaeological and scientific data backing the veracity of the scriptures, all of which are noted in the proclamation. Outlines a few examples of scientific truths written in the scriptures long before they were discovered by scientists. Okay, the word it, there it is. Okay, it outlines a few examples of scientific truths written in the scriptures long before they were discovered by scientists. The shape of the earth is mentioned in Isaiah 40, 22. Gravity can be found in Job 26, 7. Ecclesiastes 1, 6 mentions atmospheric circulation. A reference to ocean currents can be found in Psalm 8, 8, and the hydraulic cycle is described in Ecclesiastes 1, 7 and Isaiah 55, 10. The second law of thermodynamics is outlined in Psalm 102, 25 to 27 and Romans 8, 21. The Old Testament of the Bible, completed 450 years before the birth of Jesus of Nazareth, contains over 300 prophecies that Jesus fulfilled through his life, death, and resurrection. The odds of one person fulfilling just eight prophecies are a staggering one chance in ten to the seventeenth power, the proclamation notes. By the way, it's getting close to, it's going to, you know, around Easter time, we always talk about the resurrection. The, the proof of the resurrection is one of the most fun things to study in the Word of God. It's just phenomenal. Anyway. The pastors additionally provided data from a recent survey that demonstrated that the Bible is a compelling force for good in the lives of area Christians. The survey revealed that a significant number of church members are active in visiting the elderly, hospitalized, or incarcerated, and a number of churches availed their buildings as neighborhood watch sites or polling stations or opened their doors for community health screenings and blood drives. 58 churches in Richland County alone assisted with missions work in 93 countries. This local outreach study really illustrates the good works, that good works is the byproduct of following the Bible. This is why we are encouraging Ohioans to study the Bible. Uh, He concluded with Isaiah 48, the grass may wither and the flowers may fall, but the word of God endures forever. And then you can read the whole proclamation uh, on the website, which I don't have in front of me, but I'm flipping the page. I don't know how long the proclamation is but it's quite long, so I'm not going to read it. But I will tweet that page out so you guys can see it if you're interested. And if you're in Ohio, congratulations for having people in that state who are willing to put, you know, the scripture in a place of influence and authority uh, in in that state. I think that's a wonderful thing. I'm not sure. You're waiting for me to say, yeah, it is? Yeah, it is. Well, I don't know. Do you? Um, what do you think? Yeah, I totally agree. Okay. And Good. and that the, they somebody agrees. You know, they cite biblical literacy in the church, which is so true and unfortunate. And you when, know what? I have a hard time understanding why people are biblically illiterate. To be honest, in the church. Now I understand outside the church, but yeah. in the church, I don't get it. Uh, even out, I, I don't, I don't even outside the church, you know, I remember a time, um, and I'm not that old, you know, a little over half century, 
but allusions to... You're almost 55. So I know. Allusions. You're closer to 60 years old than you are 50. Not true. I'm yeah, closer to 50 than... No, I'm... not... Well, technically you are, but... I don't know. Do you I'm think closer to 50 than 60. Do you think Randall looks closer to 60 than he does 50? I think he's starting to look his age. Now, the day after my birthday, I'll be closer to... 60 than 50, but right now I'm closer to 50 than 60. Actually, that's not really true because according to you, you always use the fact that you're in your mother's womb. No, I don't. That as a year. So no, I don't. You're already 55. No, I Yeah, I, you are. You're well, I don't. You've been around. But I, but yeah, but you I don't, have. But I don't use that. I don't. I, yeah, you have said that numerous times to me. I'm just not my privately thing. Privately in the secretness of our house <sighs> conversations. Even unbeknownst to me, it's that <laughs> secret. <laughs> no. Somebody said they really like how I pick on Randall, so I'm just mm. saying I'm giving you what you want, people. <laughs> oh. Okay, now they said that you look 50. Me, yeah. on the other hand, way older because I got way more gray hair. <laughs> Although I have Any- fewer, I have fewer wrinkles than he does. Anyway, uh, I do remember time when yeah. you know. Conversation and literature contain more allusions and references to the scripture. Yeah, true. And that seems to be less and less at times. Um, and so, anyway, certainly losing prominence. But yes, especially in, in the church, it's just... Sad. Sad. And... Well, speaking of that, this last article... Tragic, actually. says here, a queer positive PCA congregation. Now, this is over on the American Conservative, and that's the title of the article. Don't be mad at me for saying the word queer. Just say it, you know, what it is. Hey, Oddbar. Nice to see you. And, and um, Joel, did you come in? Wait, who else is here, I should say? I see Sandy came in. Joe. Joe is here. Hi, Joe. Mr. Okay, I think I said hi to everybody. Okay, so this here, this is titled A Queer Positive PCA, uh, which stands for the Presbyterian Church of America. Congregation, listen to this. Back in 2016, I blogged critically of a speech young black pastor Michelle Higgins of hashtag Black Black Lives Matters movement activists gave to the annual InterVarsity Christian Fellowship meeting. She criticized the pro-life movement and went heavy on identity politics. Did I give you this article? No, you didn't, but I caught up with you. You did? Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay, you found it. Good. See how cool you are. Uh, IVCF official Greg J.O. responded with some objections to claims. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on a second. She criticized the pro-life movement and went heavy on identity. Okay, I read that. Okay. (laughs) IVCF official Greg J.O., Responded with some objections to claims I made in my post. And Eric, or Carl Eric Scott, a former IVCF member. That's InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, in case you didn't know that. Uh, questioned the organization's leftward drift. Another reader pointed out that in the same speech, Higgins said Christians should embrace transgenderism. Criticizing Higgins unintentionally burned an important bridge for me. I didn't see it coming, but I learned from a couple of folks inside the evangelical movement that one should not criticize Black Lives Matter if one wants to stay on good terms with woke young white evangelicals. What's a woke young white? What's that? 
aware, you know, like they're aware. Yeah, they're like been woken up. Stupid. To use it's, that it's, word. Is that supposed to be cool the way they said that? Well, yeah. Whatever. Anyway, I wonder if that's still true. I wonder what those same Higgins defends have to say about the latest news about her via Denny Burke. Okay, so it says here, over the weekend, I was gobsmacked by something I read on social media. Gobsmacked. There's a word. (laughs) A PCA church in St. Louis is hosting an event that includes an openly lesbian speaker named J. Marie Hill, who is coming to the church to, quote, teach us how to not only mourn the tragic death of trans folks, but learn to celebrate their lives and humanity, unquote. It is important to note that the teaching is not only about mourning the deaths of precious image bearers, something we should we would all agree with. It's also about affirming transgenderism, something every Orthodox Christian must oppose. When I first read this, I thought, surely this is an inaccurate report. Surely there is something mitigating. There is some mitigating piece of information that will make this not what it appears to be. Then I followed the links and did a little poking around. No, the report is accurate as far as I can tell. At least. That is what the organization hosting the event says. The event is to be hosted by a group called Faith for Justice, which uh, which has as one of its founders a woman named Michelle Higgins. Higgins serves as director of worship at South City Church PCA, which is hosting the event where her father, Mike Higgins, is pastor. Here's the Facebook page, blah, blah. I really did think that the Presbyterian Church in America was biblically orthodox. What's going on? Would readers who are millennial evangelicals please tell me where the lines are now being drawn serious non-trolling question is it becoming heretical to oppose transgenderism within conservative churches good question update since south city church has now pulled out of this particular event there's a statement the good news is but come on it can't be the case that the church's leadership had no idea how radical michelle higgins is did they not speak out because she's the daughter of the pastor. Who knows? Then it says here, update number two, reader Edward Hamilton lets it all hang out. InterVarsity is already in the position of a zombie movie victim waiting for the virus to spread to the brain. It's also already deeply infected by the SJW contingent. Contagion. Contagion. And short of some major amputation to your surgeries, it's not going to be able to recover. And that would require cutting off a substantial portion of IVCF staff devoted to its racial reconciliation agenda. So can you imagine what kind of public relations disaster that would entail? Here, for example, how long is this? Okay, just want to make sure it's not 15 pages long. (laughs) Here, for example, is Brandy Miller, one of their justice program directors. A quick look at her slash she, her. Twitter feed indicates that she's a totally woke member of the resistance. She's committed to fighting the gender binary tyranny tyranny at Urbana. Okay, so the gender binary, as you all know, means male and female. That's the binary. Okay. Um, She shows courageous hostility to non-inclusive language like brothers and sisters. I'm old enough to remember when that phrase was the cutting edge of wokeness and graded on conservatives. Of course, there are standard forms of denunciations of capitalism and how it contributes to indigenous people's genocide. She occasionally mentions missionaries mostly to denounce them for trying to convert anyone instead of working for political goals. After all, because that's what missionaries are all about. You know, they're about like politics. 
A representative quote from October 26th, It should not be surprising that many are abandoning the Christian project when its primary function in many spaces is to embolden white supremacy, sexual assault, homophobia, ableism, and climate degradation with no awareness that it's doing so or little remorse if they are aware. Yeah, that's what I'm all about, just so you know. Climate degradation, love it. I'm I'm about the ableism aspect of it, and um, <laughs> this is so stupid. Okay, anyway, University Press has been strongly pushing work from their social justice program. This month, it's a major rollout for Jonathan Walton's new SJW theme book about dismantling white privilege. As you might expect, Miller and Walton engage in constant social media cross-promotion. None of the above stuff is outside the evangelical mainstream. IBCF defines the mainstream. When evangelical parents send their church youth and college career groups to the Triennial Urbana Missions Conference, 15,000-plus kids in 2018, they're being educated by queer-affirming speakers, which is actually true. It's hard to exaggerate how dramatic of a coup this is. IVP has been a mainstay of evangelical intellectualism for 70 years in a Christian tradition with very few other lay-centered intellectual communities. It's been a publisher for Schaefer and Stott. So he's talking John Stott here and Francis Schaefer, who are two of the biggest uh, apologetics-type, highly respected theologians of you know, the 20th century. There's nothing closer to the center of college experience for many young evangelicals today, and now it's becoming indistinguishable from mainline social justice organizations. Within another couple of decades, the power consolidation will be sufficiently completed that the remaining orthodox holdouts can be ejected from all the usual re- for all the usual reasons. Here's Brandy Miller on November 10th. In theological conversations, a quick turn to arguing, quote, orthodoxy, unquote, typically warns me that the conversation is about to shift to white-centered virtual signaling. It requires little imagination to anticipate the end game. It's all enormously sad, and part of the reason I keep forcing myself, not always successfully, to read all the stuff about the Catholic crisis as a shared tragedy instead of a vindication of Protestant ecclesiology. There's no time left for triumphalism on any side. The waves are coming in high and fast enough to drown all of us at once. And then it says, update three, judging from this poll, it looks like the PCA's future is pro-LGBT. Maybe those within the denomination who adhere to biblical orthodoxy will hold the line, I don't know, but it sure seems that as the middle class in America embraces LGBT, so too will the middle class at prayer. Which this ladies and gentlemen of the audience, is just an example of Bible prophecy being fulfilled in our lifetime because we see the following away of the church here um, from biblical orthodox theological teaching um, embracing all this other garbage that they just mentioned, which has absolutely nothing to do with the church. Um, Yeah. You know, it's it's it, like okay. So, um, to so Christianity emboldens white supremacy, sexual assault, homophobia, ableism, and climate degradation with no awareness that's doing so and little remorse if they're aware. Well, I guess um, you know, I don't know. Yeah, that's um, <laughs> just the the rhetoric. 
you know, I I can see people, you know, there are the Matt Drudgers of the world, yes, you know, professing homosexual, but he's also very conservative in many ways, you know, the Tammy Bruce's of the world, whatever, you know, they can have, you know. Tam- Tammy Bruce is a lesbian conservative and she's very outspoken. Just Yeah, and so, that. you know, I can recognize this but mean doesn't you know i don't lump them all together you know they're all this they're all that because they're this they're all these other things too they have to know people are individuals but it seems like this brandy miller oh you're talking about christian orthodoxy you're all about white supremacy And, and uh and uh racist whatever you know right if you're if you're an orthodox christian that means you're a, you're a kkk member there's you know they'd go part and parcel you know it's just crazy well it goes it goes back to the story about the ohio pastors making a proclamation about being the year of the bible because people in the church don't read the bible if you actually read the bible hey fraser if you actually read the bible you would know that this stuff is not in there yeah it's like, well, if you take it literally, you're a white supremacist. If you just read the red letters, you're a social justice warrior. You know, yeah. yeah. It just, you know, this this identity politics. It's funny. They're talking about, you know, you know the, the dangers of identity politics, but that's what they're all about. You're this and labeling this people and that person. And, and yeah. Well, you know. Well, and that's why we exist, yes. to irritate the masses <laughs> with real yeah. facts and fact-checking from the actual scripture itself. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it's it's kind of, um, you know, I'm a woman and proud of it. I am a white woman. Now, was I raised in privilege? Not a chance. No, not even. Are you kidding me? My mom raised me on welfare because my dad was a deadbeat. Yeah, the dad I take care of, that dad. He was a complete deadbeat. He tried to get out of providing but, child support. But you're white. You're very white. That comes I'm with super the, white. That comes with an intrinsic privilege. Well, it does in some ways, but the stereotype, I don't fit into it. So right. you can't, like, say I wasn't I from money. Um, but And I, I'm, I'm the, you know, I'm the, the typical white privilege kid. You know, my dad was a high school dropout no he was a teenage runaway my mom was the high school dropout yeah and the teenage mother and uh anyway yeah so basically your two hosts we break the mold of the stereotype (laughs) and what i can say is what what i can honestly say is this is the truth the truth is that if it wasn't for jesus christ in my life or jesus christ in bareface's life we wouldn't be who we are today amen we wouldn't Yep. I, you know, I could have gone down that, the evil path and, you know, having all the bad abuse in my background, I could have gotten into drugs. I could have did all of that. I, I would not be the woman of God I am today. I, I did that stuff. and Yeah, Bareface did the drugs. I didn't, thank God. I, I only did psychotropic meds because they were prescribed to me and that took me forever to get off them. So, anyway, so here's the deal. Jesus loves you. Jesus Christ. Jesus of Nazareth. You know, he came, he came down because he loves us. You talk about somebody who's discriminated against. He gets discrimination, right? Um, But he loved us. He loves 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 you. Doesn't matter what you've done. He loves you. Pure and simple. He loves you. He died on the cross for you. Yeah, he did. And then he rose from the dead. Yeah, he did. Which irritates the devil, by the way. 
you know, and all he wants to do is give you eternal life, forgiveness, alleviate you of all your guilt, and he just wants your undying love and obedience as a result. But you know what? Hey, if you're going to serve any God, he would be the one to serve. All these other ones, they're not God, just so you know. But he loves us, and that's what compels me every day. You know, I get up days, I'm like, ugh, ugh. <laughs> and I actually had a thought this morning. I didn't share it on my get slugged thing this morning, but I will, I will share. I will ask you this, and I'll, show, I'll close the show with this. When was the last time, if you're a follower of Christ, if you're a disciple of Christ, when was the last time you actually told Jesus, told the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, that you, when was the last time you prayed and you said, Lord, I love you? You know, sometimes you can say it to your husband, your wife, your best friend, me, whoever, uh, your dog, your cat. But when was the last time you actually said to the Lord, you love him? You know, I mean, think about it. I, I, I felt convicted this morning. I was like, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I love you, Lord. <laughs> I do. I do. I don't always say it, but hopefully my life shows it, right? Hopefully his joy comes radiating through my face, even if I'm feeling bad. But um, he does love us and we have the best news. We have the good news. We don't have to worry about the future because he holds the future. We already know where we're going and we have an opportunity, you know, to warn people who are on their way to that broad path to destruction. We have the opportunity to point them to the right path. And so that their lives can change. And I will just say this. You already know it. Look, Americans love to argue politics, right? I get Trump haters coming in here, blah, blah, whatever. Look, the culture isn't going to change because of politics. The culture will change when Jesus changes a person's heart. I play pickleball with so many people. And one of, one of my friends, she's, I love her to pieces. She is a former, um, she's a former pro-choice feminist and she didn't become a Christian until she was in her forties. And I talked to her now and she's like, Stacy, I just didn't know when I became a Christian. That's when I began to understand. And that's the thing. Our job as ambassadors of, of Christ is to show people, look, this is what the Bible really says. This is who he is. We got to point people to him Show them what's in the word of God. And then the Holy Spirit's job is to convict them and change their heart, their mind, and their actions. It's not ours. Our job is to love them where they're at. Jesus changes the lives of people. And, um, you know, so we can argue politics, but I mean, it might be fun, but it's stupid. <laughs> Ultimately, pray, pray for those who are in authority and pray for those who need Christ and, and God will lead them to himself, right? And that's what it's all about. I don't know who was praying for me, but I was not raised in a Christian home. But whoever it was that was praying for me, I am eternally grateful grateful to whoever they were. Because my life was horrible until I met the Lord. So, there you have it. So, with that, I will say, be bold, people. Stand up and go with God. Because He loves you. He really, really does love you. Let that really sink into your heart and believe it because he really does. And you know what? I guarantee you, if you embrace that, there's nothing that you'll do in fear because perfect love casts out all fear. If you get that in your heart and your mind, you will be able to do whatever it is that he's called you to do. Okay? So, see you tomorrow. <laughs>